there exists a love far greater than we will ever understand. A love prophesied for ages. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. hello, everybody. If you're not here, uh, we hope you got raptured, because I'm telling you, you're going to miss out. You just missed worship. Everybody got really quiet. There's pizza. There's candy. I'm going to do the message the whole time this way, this monotone. I'm just kidding. We're thankful you're here. Just in case you missed out, we kind of have some special situations where we normally load in and load out. Uh, we have to, we, I will tell you what happened. We wore the floor out so hard because we preached the name of Jesus so strong, it started melting it. So they're having to re-wax it in Jesus' name. So that being said, wherever we are, I just want to invite you, as Matt said earlier, if you're just catching us on the podcast, invite you to next week, 10 a.m. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to have communion. And uh, we're just going to enjoy going into Palm Sunday before we have our Easter service. So it'll be laid back again, come as you are. And if you say, can I show up, show up and bring something you would like to share. And what I mean by that is you don't roll in with the, uh, what is it, Hardy's has the two apple cinnamon biscuits and you just share one. You got to have more than that when you roll in the house of the Lord. So we are so thankful you are here as we kick off this series called Greater Love. And what we're going to walk through in this series, this is our Easter series. We're going to, some of us be reminded of the greater love of Christ, and some of us, I would hope and pray, can discover the greater love of Christ wherever you are. Jesus says it this way in John 15, verse 13, greater love is no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's what we have to be reminded of, is this whole season is about being a champion, and it's Jesus is the champion. It's about celebrating the gospel. It is about why Jesus came. It's the culmination of all of that. So today we're going to be learning through your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. So before we get where we're going to be in this familiar story today, 
I just want to say uh, thank you to all of our Vine Kids parents. I know it's a little crazy having the kids in here, but I, I mean, I'm thankful we even have the kids in here. It is, it's a blessing all the way through, right, that we even get to have them. And that they aren't my flesh and blood because it would definitely be a pastor's kid. And if y'all think it's loud now, just wait. Just saying. So wherever you are, if you want to go ahead and get to your Bible, as we're going to learn through your sins are forgiven, we're going to be in a story that is familiar uh, in all four Gospels. You can read this story. We're going to be in Luke chapter 7 today. Uh, and before we get in there, I kind of want to have a framework. So how many of us remember Where's Waldo? I'm getting old. You had that, right? Like that was the most checked out book in the library. And then as you got older, uh, and you can't see like me, but as you got older, you started having like the picture puzzle books, if you will. Like you had to see something inside of an image. It's where many of us found out we were colorblind, right? Like you were colorblind. If you didn't see, if you were blue gray, you couldn't see something. Sometimes it would be a vase and you see two faces. And I thought that that was very weird that that happened, but you would have that. Now all of a sudden in social media, what was it a couple years ago was the dress, right? Is it black? Is it blue? I said it's purple. I don't know. But wherever it is, whatever happened so many times, I just want to say it this way. Like, where's Waldo? The hardest one was when he was on the beach and all the stripes and the people were the same way. You had to find him with his toboggan. Like, that's how you knew, right? But so many times, isn't it easy to miss what's right in front of us? See, that's the perspective we're going to have, and that's the perspective we're going to be walking through today is it's so easy to miss what's right in front of us. We're going to meet two people today in this familiar story. One person sees Jesus and experiences the freedom that he can only bring. Another person should have known who Jesus was. It's a Pharisee, and he knew all about Jesus. He even could have told you that the Messiah was to come, but he missed Jesus standing right in front of him. And if we're not careful so many times, I'm so thankful for the faithful sowers that get to be here today, but we can grow up in church our whole life and miss Jesus standing right in front of us. We can memorize all the scripture. We can memorize the prayer. At the end, we can memorize and have all the right answers, but we miss out on who Jesus is. And that's what we're going to have when we walk in this. That's the perspective that we're going to have today. So Luke chapter 7, I'm gonna, we'll be done about uh, 1245, 1 o'clock. It's one of those dance-a-thons. We're going to tough crowd. It's good. It's fine. I'll, I'll be out here before that even happens. I'll be asleep. So uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 39. If you've got your Bible, wherever you are, if you don't have your Bible, feel free to follow along with us all the way through in our Vine Church app. You can take notes in there. It's got your own Bible in there. It's got a way to have a Bible uh, Devo with us. It'll show that in there through the Bible app. You can submit prayer requests. You can get that today for free at thevine.tv slash APP, not OPP, APP, even though we are down with OPP. We got APP, right? We got to go there with that. Divine.tv slash app. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one free for the asking. So go ahead and open up your Bible wherever it is on your app or in front of you. And it's going to say this in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 to 39. And it says this, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, before I go on, you can see it on the screen. I, I didn't say that. How terrible. I didn't see it on the screen. Our Vine production team, Zach, made sure that it's in front of you. So everybody, let Zach know he wants to make sure you can read this, right? He wants zero credit. He is about to leave out the room. He's doing it for the Lord's credit. I know it is. So thank you, Zach, as always. I didn't even ask him to do it. I said, this week, don't worry about it. But look, he wanted to make sure we all knew what was happening in this story. So I'm thankful for Zach. So here we go. So Jesus shows up. He's reclining at this Pharisee's house. Verse 37 says this. A woman in town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, 
kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, excuse me, when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. So you see the perspective of the two that are there. All of a sudden, you can already see the juxtaposition of what's happening. You see two people in two different frames of reference. This woman shows up. She's seen Jesus before, but she's never got close to him, okay? So in this society, if you will, a sinner could not be in the presence of a Pharisee, of a religious person. A couple chapters down the line, Luke 10 talks about the Good Samaritan. Do you remember that? Like how the priest and the Levite was like, shoe fly, don't bother me. I don't care if he's dead, almost dead, if he's robbed, if he's beaten, if he's naked. I ain't got time for it. Somebody else behind me will take care of it. So this Pharisee now has this sinful woman, sinful woman in her house. We don't know what her sin was, but here's the thing that I think of when we go forward and we think about this story is all the way through, when it comes to this sinful woman, you remember when Jesus, the woman was caught in adultery and they wanted to stone the woman, right? So instead of the Pharisee, just to be quite honest with you, he, he wasn't supposed to have a sinful woman in his house, but somehow she got access, put two and two together. He, went, he wasn't about Rahab the prostitute, but he knew the back door to get in. You know what I'm saying? So all of a sudden, now this woman who is considered sinful shows up. And now the Pharisee, if you see when it says this, what I love in verse 39, we're going to come back to it in a minute, is he said to himself, if Jesus was a prophet, he would know that this is a sinner. So look at this woman. She's seen Jesus before. She's never got in his presence. But all of a sudden, I don't believe that she came in with the intention to wipe his feet with her tears and dry it with her hair. She came with an alabaster jar, more on that in a minute, but what ends up happening is when she encounters Jesus, she is so overcome, she isn't worshiping, she starts crying, and the tears flow down, and all of a sudden she realizes an injustice has been done. There are mud puddles on the floor where Jesus' feet were. And she said, "If I, I can't let him go on without his feet being washed. This, this, you see, what was supposed to happen is when Jesus is gonna point this out in a few verses, when you walked into the house, the, the people that were guests were supposed to have water to wash not only their hands, but their feet. And Jesus, the guest of honor that this party was thrown for, didn't even have the person throwing the party throw out water for his feet. And this woman says, I, and this act of worship, I can't have my Savior be like this. So all of a sudden, she's standing there, and there's a pregnant pause in the room when she does this. Like, everyone would have been like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, like, could you pass the, the jelly? What is it? The, the grape upon whatever it was. Like, could you pass that? Like, whatever that is. Like, they're all of a sudden, everybody is looking, and the Pharisee is like, instead of seeing what's in front of him, he says, oh, if Jesus would only know she was a sinner. See, he's, he's thinking in a different perspective. The Pharisee here is wondering what everybody else is going to think because he had a faux pas. He didn't put out the water for the people to get their feet washed. And now the sinful dreadful sinful woman has stepped up and is taking the spotlight off the Pharisee and him getting all the clout. And so he gets frustrated. That's why it says she, he said to himself. So if you're thinking about this and we're talking through this, and before we get to your sins are forgiven, look at the two perspectives. The woman, the sinful woman, she's not worried about what she looks like, but she's worried about how the Savior is portrayed, how Jesus looks. The Pharisee, he's wondered about how he looks. How's this going to go about, like, where am I going to sit at the next party? Is anybody else going to throw me a party now that I've messed up? 
The two perspectives are different. One is focused on themselves. One is focused on the Savior. It goes on to say this in verse 40 to 43, Jesus answered him, Simon, that is the name of the Pharisee, not Simon Peter, just a heads up. You'll see this here in a minute. So Simon, the one who was hosting the party, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one with the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. How is this important? Now, all of a sudden, instead of Simon being on the outside of this encounter, Jesus, who lives a life of invitation, invites him in, and he gives him a real-world example to say, this is what's going on with this woman in front of me. Many would give you commentary. Many would say that Jesus is, is looking at Simon and saying, you are the one who only owed 50. She owed 500. But here's the thing, really, when many people talk about that in commentary, let me ask you a question if you read those. I love to read commentaries when we get to things. Uh, let me ask you a question. What does it say here in verse 42? Neither of them had the money to pay him back, whether it was 50 or 500. If you've ever been there and you ain't got a, uh, something to pee on, you know what I'm saying? A pot to pee on, as you say, you can't, you, you, you know, your bank account's negative, so you could care less what's happening with inflation because it don't matter. You hope it gets inflated up. Like, if you've ever been there, but that's been forgiven, the moneylender forgave them both. They both couldn't pay back the debt. Neither one of them could. And so Simon is sitting there and he's been inviting in and Jesus is talking directly to him saying, Simon, you're missing it. Don't worry about what she is doing. Don't worry about her cleaning my feet. Instead, understand why she is doing it. He goes on to say this in verse 44 to 50, talking of Jesus. Then Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now I got to stop here for a second. Think about this. At this moment in time, not only has Simon missed Jesus, but he never really looked at that woman until Jesus said, do you see this woman? He only saw her sin. He only saw her failures. He only saw how messed up, broken, busted up, and screwed up, if you will, that she was. But Jesus not only invites Simon in to what's happening, he says, do you see her? And then he goes on and he paints the picture when it comes to our sins being forgiven. I came into your house, this is Simon's house, you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Time out, verse 45, that's only used twice in the New Testament, that, that verb form of kiss. It is right here, and when Judas goes to Jesus before he is turned over to the temple guard. So this is why when you talk about the betrayal of Judas to Jesus at this time, this kiss is an affectionate family kiss. It's not what Paul says in greeting with a holy kiss. It's a kiss that, it's a hug and a kiss. So in other words, she is hugging his feet, not wanting to let go of him, knowing that that is her only hope. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but for real, that's her only hope. And she is kissing it. And Jesus said, you didn't even give me water to wash my feet. She not only cleaned my feet, she is sitting here worshiping at my feet. He goes on to say this in verse 46. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Oil was used to, we talked about this with sheep, 
to get the lice away, if you will, to keep the bugs out. It helped you be clean at the table. But also, oil is used to anoint and to set apart. Verse 47, excuse me. Because of this, Jesus says, that's where this therefore comes from. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. And I love this. As her great love has shown. Her great love. Her great love. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Go in peace. So today, church, what we can be reminded of is what Jesus is showing. The difference between the two, the Pharisee and the woman, their faith was displayed in what they gave. See, Simon gave a party, but it was for his own glory. The woman let go of everything. She didn't care what anybody thought of her. She didn't care what the town was saying about her. Instead, she gave all that she had at the feet of Jesus. She willingly gave. Why? Why in the world would she do that? Why do we celebrate generosity every week? Why in the world do we celebrate what we've got to be a part of in the local church around the world? Because generosity is a sign of a heart changed by Christ. Because once you've encountered him, nothing else compares. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing else compares when you have Jesus. Nothing else. See, the difference, we spoke on this Thursday, so it'll be a reminder. But anyway, with the difference between philanthropy and generosity is this. Philanthropy says, I give out of my abundance, out of my work, out of my effort. And philanthropy puts your name on a brick in the sidewalk in front of the building. Generosity says, it was never mine to begin with. So whatever you call me to give, I will give, even if it's all I have. See, there's only one that makes a difference for eternity. The one that Jesus calls to is the one of generosity. So the proof of Jesus moving is that. So one more time, if you're looking at the question of the Pharisee and the woman, the Pharisee threw this party asking, what can I get? The woman steps into this party saying, what can make me whole? It's a big difference. She didn't look at what she could give. She brought this alabaster jar. Speaking of that, yes, that's important. If you've ever grew up in church, you probably heard C.C. Winans tear that song up. And if you haven't, YouTube it. It's a good song, Alabaster Jar. She'll talk about that all the way through if you understand what happens here. But this is the reason this is so important. There are three, I'm not smart when it comes to this, which I'm not a smart man, but y'all know that. I'm really not. It's not a question. <laughs> that is not a question. You don't, I mean, you didn't walk in here today saying, that guy's smarter than Einstein, and I'm fine with that. So if you get anything good, it's all the Holy Spirit. But there are three kind of tiers as you go into Mother's Day of fragrances, okay? Are you ready? Three different tiers. The first one is cologne. It actually has to do with alcohol content, by the way. It has to do with how, like, it's on, I don't know what proof, I have no clue, but it has to do with how much alcohol is in there and how much is actually pure. So cologne is the lowest on the tier. Sorry, guys, it is what it is. That's why if you ever shave and you put on cologne, it burns like aftershave. It's because it's got alcohol in it. It's the highest alcohol content. The next up on the level is this wonderful word, eau de toilette. Toilet water, you're welcome. It is the next one up on the stage of it all, but it is eau de toilette, and basically that actually has less alcohol and lasts longer than cologne, therefore it is more expensive. 
And the top tier is parfum, P-A-R-F-U-M-E, or perfume. And it is the most pure, lasts the longest, and that is why it is the most expensive. So when you go shopping for mom in a few weeks, don't roll up with the toilet water on it. Get her some perfume, okay, because it's going to be worth it. If they're charging you the same amount for the toilet water as the perfume, pray for them and get the right thing because they need to get their heart right with Jesus. So wherever that is, understand this. See, in our modern day, when it comes to this perfume, we're so manufactured. We, we just think a machine. We, we can print food in this day. And isn't that crazy? I wouldn't eat it. It is what it is. But we can print food. So we miss what's happening here in this story with the perfume is this Perfume would have taken hundreds of leaves to mash to get the oil out. The alabaster jar was so important, it was very expensive, and so it would hold its fragrance, okay? So what ended up happening is this was likely from like India or Nepal, and this woman's father would have given her this gift between the ages of 11 and 12 as her dowry. Now, anytime we've talked about a dowry, we've talked, it's, it's really easy to understand the groom to the father-in-law, right? But not the woman to the boy, See, what happened is she, he gave that to his daughter, and he said, when you find the man you want to marry, you give this to him and say, I am yours, and then he would pay the father to have her. So does that make sense? Get this alabaster jar of perfume as a dowry. Obviously, she would use it in the marriage, right? That would be her perfume, but she had this beautiful, extravagant gift, and then what would happen is the groom would then pay the father-in-law with some goats and sheep or whatever it was they traded at that time, Okay. Give me an amen. You were good? I know we're, we're hanging in there. So you got to understand. So she's got this gift. It's an awesome gift. So imagine this. Imagine your 13-year-old with a dowry. I know it's different times now. None of us want to imagine that. But she had a dowry. And somewhere in this woman's life, she screwed up. She made some mistakes. And instead of it being hidden, it was all over the internet, if you will. All of her mistakes, the entire town knew about it. So much so, before she encounters Jesus here... There is not a man in that city who wanted her alabaster jar. She couldn't give it away at a two-for-one discount. She couldn't do anything. There is no man that would have taken it. Every time she tried to give it, they said, you know where she's been from, right? Mm -hmm. She burns her biscuits. You know what I'm saying? I ain't got nothing to do with her. I don't want her cooking for me. She, she gives Jeff Boyardee a good name. You know what I mean? She's awful. Everybody knew about it. She could not give that alabaster jar away until another man came to town. When Jesus showed up, that is what her act of worship was going to be, to bring this alabaster jar to the only man who could love, forgive, and accept. And she was laying it at his feet before she started washing it with her tears and her hair. And as she laid it at his feet, at his feet she said, I'm yours. I have no future, Jesus, but you, you alone are my only hope. And that is why she went there. So much so, Jesus allowed her to pour that out on her to prepare her, him for burial. We find this out. If you look in the other gospels, the disciples get mad that she broke this alabaster jar because in the Passover season, they not only brought a tithe, they brought an offering. And that alabaster jar, we okay, 50 to 500. In today's terms, that 50 to 500 the moneylender gave, 50 denarii is $3 now. Welcome to inflation and deflation. That 500, therefore, was 30. This alabaster jar was between 50 and $80,000 worth of money in today's time. And so she pours this on Jesus 
She lays it at his feet. The only one who can love, except for the only one who doesn't see her for her sin, but sees her for who she was created to be. And out of her great love, she served him, but it wasn't until first she experienced his greater love, the greater love he had. You see, the truth of the matter is, so many times for many of us, we have that little alabaster jar we carry around, right? The best of us. Maybe we've forgotten what that is. Maybe, maybe we think the best of us isn't worthy enough for anyone else. Maybe we think the best of us isn't going to get it done. Maybe we think the best of us is all we have hope to do. And so that is what we cling to instead of laying it at the foot of Jesus. And all of a sudden, this woman lays it at the feet of Jesus. And I just want to say, which person experienced freedom that day? The Pharisee or the woman worshiping Jesus at his feet? The woman See, I wonder if we could experience that freedom, how different we would be in the world. Man, I'm so guilty of this. I forget the freedom I have in Christ Jesus. I just, I'm just walking around stomping, getting mad. I do it all the time. I'm telling you, I I don't have it all together, and I ain't afraid to tell you that I don't. I don't have to stand up here like Simon the Pharisee and act like I have it all together. I forget the freedom that I have in Christ is the one thing that I can share with the world that they are looking for. Simon was looking for freedom. He thought that he could find it in getting up the ladder in the Pharisees and having the best dinner party. Good luck with that. Instead, this woman says, there's nothing that I have of great value. As a matter of fact, she took the thing of greatest value she had, what the world would say is wealthy, even the disciples said was wealthy, and she laid it at the feet of Jesus because the greatest thing that you have in the world, the greatest thing that you can say is wealth in the world is nothing in compared to her debt being paid by Christ Jesus and her sins forgiven. She laid it at his feet because none of it compared to that. And so wherever you are right now, I just want us to be reminded that maybe this thing of great wealth we're hanging on to, we've forgotten what it measures and the debt that Christ paid on the cross. That is what Easter is all about. And so wherever you are, you want it today, if you're in this house, by God's grace, I get to know most of your salvation stories in this house, whether you're watching online or not. I pray today you are reminded that the thing that you're clinging to that has the most value in this world matters not in light of eternity. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Doesn't mean you need to go out there and Elon Musk fire everything like with his little fire pod thingy. No, 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 no. I'm saying lay it at the feet of Jesus and he'll tell you what to do with it. For others of us today, you don't know the hope of Jesus. You're still clinging to what that, to what that hope is, to what this freedom is. And I just want to say it this way and I hope that it'll make sense, but it's the only way my hard head gets it. See, some people will ask, why in the world would God create you only to send you to hell? And I want to tell you, God didn't create you to send you to hell. See, all of us, because of our sin, are bound, bound on a ship called the Titanic. And guess what? The world's going to say it's unsinkable. Guess what? The world is going to say it's the grandest thing you'll ever be on. It's the best thing ever made. And you're going to make it from one side to the other no matter what. But you see, sin kept us on that ship. And I want to tell you, just like the Titanic, sin has one destination, death. It's going down. Rose ain't going to let you on the door. I'm going to tell you that right now. It is going down. There is no hope. Sin, sin leaves us in that condition. 
If God didn't love us, he would leave us on that boat with no way out. But Easter, Christmas Easter is Jesus, the lifeboat. God's not sending you to hell. It's the choice that you make. Will you stay on the sinking ship or will you trust Jesus as your hope and your life? And will you get in the lifeboat to be saved and rescued? Because I'm going to tell you right now, when that ship goes down, you can't swim to shore. You don't have the strength to do it. When that ship goes down, if you don't have a boat, you can fly float all day long, you ain't going to be saved. In your power, no matter what class you are on the Titanic, whether it's the top tier or the bottom rung, if you are in sin, you are headed to death. And so today, why we do what we do is literally that. What's the choice that you make? Being stuck in sin that will lead you to death or getting to walk in the freedom that Jesus gives that leads to life and allows us to live this life everlasting. The choice is yours. It's not God's choice. It's yours. And so today, wherever you are, that's why we do what we do. John 3, 16 and 17 reminds us of this choice that we have. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's not standing there with judgment. Jesus isn't sitting on that lifeboat asking you how much baggage you're carrying to put on there. Instead, he is saying, come to me, trust me, I am the way to life. And so that's why we do what we do. So with every head bow and every eye closed, just like this woman, Jesus said it was her faith, it was her faith that she could be forgiven. It is her faith that she could walk in peace. And so with every head bow and every eye closed today, the reason we do what we do is so that those of us in Christ can be reminded of the freedom that he brings. But those of us who don't know Christ, you can see him for the first time. We're gonna say a prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will lead you to salvation. It is the faith, the faith that Jesus is who he says he is. So with every head bow and every eye closed, please repeat this prayer after me. We're gonna pray out loud as a family for those coming to the faith for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe I'm a sinner separated from you. I believe you came, lived the perfect sinless life. I couldn't live, died the death I deserved, paying the penalty for my sins on the cross. But love me enough not to stay dead, but rose again on the third day so that I may have life. Come take over my life, Lord. Teach me to follow you step by step the rest of my life the best way I know how. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're in the house or you're watching online, I'm gonna ask you if for the first time you have trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and surrendered your life to him, I'm gonna ask you to boldly raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. If you're in the house, would you raise your hand? If you're online, would you... Put a raised hand in the comments. Hey, you can reach us. You can shoot us a message inside of our app throughout all of social media. You can even send us a text message at 864-580-6698. We want to celebrate this decision with you, not for our clout or for us to get any of the glory, but so that Christ can get the glory because we want to get you in touch with a local church near you so that you can take the next step to be all that he created us to be. And so for the rest of us, if you want to You can go ahead and look up and you can stand up. We're going to get ready to worship. I just want to say, in this moment, the difference between Simon and the woman is is that Simon invited people to the room. The woman made room for Jesus to come in. So would we make room as we worship the Lord and know and live out the freedom that he alone brings? Will you stand with and sing?
is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you.
the alabaster jar down full of surrender church that's what we get to do this week will we make room hey i want to tell you jesus has made room we're going to have a 10 a.m breakfast next week uh so you might not want to eat saturday night and wear your stretchy pants sunday morning because it's going to be like thanksgiving so make sure that you show up with us but also maybe you can't make it next sunday we have room for you on Easter Sunday, April 9th, 10 a.m. here at the downtown YMCA in Spartanburg. We'd love to see your smiling face. I'm going to tell you, you're missing all these smiling faces in person. We got energy from our Vine kids. Like, they take sugar, and by osmosis, it gives us energy, okay? It's good times. You're missing out. So make sure that you come and join us. We'd love to see your smiling face. Have an awesome week. And as we go out in the world, those of us in Christ share the freedom that He alone brings, the freedom that nothing in this world could ever give. Have a great week, and always remember the best is still yet to come. Come.